Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Brickhouse, and our sober celebrity guest today is Laura Solomon. She is uh, the mother of a recovering addict and a compassionate, informed intake counselor and an award-winning counselor, I must say, and trauma specialist from Advanced Rapid Detox. Thanks for joining us on Sober Podcast today, Laura. I'm excited to have you on. So, um, you know, we tend to, we, we like to, to pick a topic and there's so many ways we could, so many topics we could go with, um, uh, with you and your background, but wanted to talk about how to combat trauma in the addiction field. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, Welcome. it's always a blessing to be able to help, um, so my background uh, is deeply engaged personally and professionally in trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trauma certified uh, in terms of um, personal and professional coaching. And um, what I have uh, discovered is that as the mother of a recovering addict for the last uh, eight years and doing my job as an intake uh, counselor for a substance abuse treatment center. Um, You know, everybody talks about um, addiction. What brought you to addiction? Was it a gateway drug that brought you to addiction? (laughs) Uh, Was it um, a a person, a place, or a thing that took you to addiction? But what I've discovered in helping 500 patients every year um, detox from opiates Mm-hmm. I would say overwhelmingly trauma brought them to addiction. 
Uh, I would say a solid, um, I'm great with uh, percentages, uh, 75% yeah. of our patients um, were brought to addiction to numb out emotional or physical pain. Mm -hmm. um, 25%. And I'll, and are you, um, the people you're talking about, are you, um, and when you say addicts, are you saying mostly uh, drug addicts, opiate, opioid addicts, or are you talking about alcoholics as well? That's the hazard of Zoom, is the <laughs> dogs barking. Um, so our patients who come to advanced rapid detox are people who are coming to us to sleep through opiate withdrawals. Okay. So we see patients who are using um, pain meds, uh, fentanyl, um, people who are dependent but ready to be done with life-saving suboxone and methadone, and patients who are on tramadol, um, and again, 25% of our patients were put on those meds by their doctor. So yeah. they are, um, you know, victims, if you will, of the opiate crisis. And the other 75% are people who took drugs, not for fun, not to get high, not because there's something so thrilling about it, but they got stuck. Yeah. Okay. And they come to us because, you know, we know the reason people don't come off opiates is because the withdrawals are brutal, especially in today's generation of fentanyl. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so with us, we have them under sedation while they sleep through the withdrawals, and then we get them right on Vivitrol to eliminate the cravings. But overwhelmingly, in both my intake and the social work piece of it that our social worker addresses, um, it, it's, it's at least 75% trauma-based. And what kind of, uh, work do you do with them, uh, to, to address the trauma, uh, and to get past it into, um, uh, and to, and to become clean or sober? Right. So more than anything, um, I think that it's about recognizing that it's trauma. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm 60 years old and in my generation, um, people didn't talk uh, like, uh, I remember being young and people would say, so-and-so has cancer. Uh, right. Or, you know, <laughs> Whispered. Yes. <laughs> they'd whisper it or so-and-so is divorced. Well mm -hmm. now, you know, in so-and-so is gay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. That's yeah. enough. Right. Um, and Today, we yell gay, we yell divorce and cancer. Nobody, that's not a stigma. But unfortunately, um, the things that create trauma are still a stigma, and so is substance abuse disorder. Right. And so, more than anything, the way we assist patients initially is by letting them know it's not you. You're not the only person who's had these 10 traumas, big and small. It's everyone everywhere. And the word trauma can mean a little T or a big T. <laughs> you know, I've had patients who say my trauma was my dog died. And I have other patients who tell me 
their children were decapitated in front of them in a car accident. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Now, for both people, that's trauma. And that led them to want to or choose to numb out their emotions. We can't judge whose trauma is enough. For me, losing a dog might not be so traumatic because I've experienced real heavy-duty trauma in my life. Right. But for that person, it's significant enough for them to numb their emotional pain. So what do we do? We start by letting them know this is normal. Mm-hmm. And for somebody like you or me, Jamie, who's seen been around the block, uh, we recognize trauma and what it does to us personally. So we try to work with the clients to help them understand that what they're experiencing is normal and it can be addressed in many different ways, whether it's with therapy, um, different therapy modalities. Um, We see a lot of patients with post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, we recommend counseling and help them find resources. Uh, We put them in touch with different treatment centers that have different modalities based on their situation. Yeah. And, um, And we have really what's most important is connection. Um, we're not a one and done type of place. Our patients, we still talk to them. I have um, 3,700 patients in my caseload. And I still talk to all of them all the time, if Amazing. they're willing. Yeah, amazing. Um, it's interesting what you, the, the um, about trauma and addiction. And I, I um, spoke to uh, another, uh, a rehab counselor, a uh, few weeks ago and he said alcoholics are born and addicts are created or made i think meaning what he was saying i got his point was that alcoholic like for a lot of alcoholics are tend to be it, it tends to be a, a character trait or a, a, a genetic trait i kind of believe that for me personally because i know it runs on my father's side of the family but does trauma run on your father's side of the family Right. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. What I, but actually no. I'm kind of going in with what you're saying about trauma is that w- with addicts, with, with drug addicts. And of course there are many alcoholics who are both. And in my story, I used drugs, but al- as well, but alcohol, I was able to put down the drugs, but not the alcohol. Um, and, uh, and I kind of understood what he was saying that, because I kind of believe that, you know, up until this point, up in really until that conversation, I thought, oh, well, you know, alcoholism, a- a- opiate addiction, you know, you're an addict or you're not, you know, and now I, um, uh, I see the difference. Um, and that some people can become addicted who are, are not necessarily genetically inclined towards that. And then, and, and then you're furthering that by saying that trauma can create that. Right. And there's a wonderful book that I just read called It Didn't Start With You. Mm. And it really talks about um, the genetic piece of all of us. Um, the best example I can tell you is my father was a boater. He came over on a boat from Poland and he was five years old. 
and uh, some sadistic priests swung him over the side of the boat to punish him for something. Mm. And he had an 80-year fear of water. Well, (laughs) I've never been swung over a boat. I have a terrible fear of water. It didn't start with me. Right. I have a fear of water, too. (laughs) So I think that, you know, from a, a generationally traumatic standpoint, some of these habits or choices that we make are, are, are rooted in what we learn growing up. And, um, you know, my mother committed suicide. My father uh, was a drinker. Um, and I had to make a cognizant effort to change that path because that's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've got to unlearn that. Right. Uh, we're going to take a quick, a little commercial break, and we'll be back in just a few seconds. So stick with us. Hi, I'm Sonia, the founder of Everbloom. We help you change your relationship with alcohol through connection and conversation. We provide small group meetings where you can share your story and get the encouragement and support you need to achieve your goals. Whatever your goals are, we're a judgment-free space. You can find us at joineverbloom.com, B-L-U-M-E, and try us out with a free meeting. And we're back talking to Laura Solomon and discussing um, trauma, the role of trauma in addiction. What What's your advice um, for those who are further along in their sobriety and may still need to address trauma? My saying is you either talk it out or numb it out. Mm -hmm. And when I hear about patients who are considering relapse and they call me to talk about the situation at hand, it's always the same thing. Something came up that they weren't addressing. Yeah. And so the most important thing is to keep talking. Um, Find your, find your gang of people that you know, the five phone numbers, two phone numbers, one person that you can call 24 seven to share what's going on, to get it out of you. So you don't have to push it down into you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, you know, um, I, um, I sponsor, uh, other alcoholics as we do in, in the, in the 12 step program. And, yep. uh, a guy that I was sponsoring for a while, he's no longer my, my sponsee, but there was a lot of, you know, in, in working with him, um, there was a lot of trauma, uh, in his background, you know, someone, a friend committed suicide in front of him. Uh, parents were both alcoholics and addicts. There was a lot of fighting and a lot of, you know, um, uh, traumatic, uh, you know, violent fights growing up with, and, and I knew that I couldn't, uh, that I, 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 I knew enough to, to feel like you need to, to address that with a professional, um, which he started doing. And what's your, what is something that people don't know, um, uh, that they should know about within the addiction field and trauma or or what's your, do you think there, that there is enough, um, knowledge of addiction and trauma within your world? You know, I was, um, I was, trained by um, some different trauma specialists, but the most profound is Dr. Gabor Mate. 
Um, if, if your audience has not heard about Dr. Gabor Mate, look him up on YouTube. There's really nobody who describes trauma and addiction like him. And, and would you really, spell his name for, for everybody? Uh, Dr. and then G-A-B-O-R, last name M-A-T-E. Right. And he is so incredible because not only is he brilliant, but he explains things in such a basic way that it makes it like your eye, your jaw dropped, eye opening, listening to him talk about trauma and addiction. Um, and my belief is that um, this is a fairly new way that we're looking at things in um, in this field. Um, as the conversation increases and the stigma decreases, mm-hmm. new topics are coming up. And one of them is really how trauma impacts us and has us making choices that um, are, are based in numbing out that emotional pain. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give us an example, obviously, without, um, you know, naming any of your clients or anything, but um, just a kind of a concrete story of of someone you worked with or an example of that we discovered we unearthed this trauma. Um, yes, all the I can I can easily do that. I had a young man yesterday. He's about uh, 24. Um, charming, skilled, darling, conversational. And I wasn't quite sure how he got attached to using fentanyl 24 hours a day. Mm. So I said to him, uh, you know, John Doe, um, any, was there any specific event that took you to numb out your emotional pain? He said, I don't know. I mean, my, my fiance died of a drug overdose next to me in bed about a year ago. And the year before that, my best friend shot my other best friend in front of me. But I mean, I don't know if that you think that would do it. And I'm like, do I think that would do it? Of course that would do it. If I were you. You said that after you picked your jaw up from the floor. And if I were you, sir, I might do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because there's a threshold at which pain we can endure. And self-harm, whether it's. It's drugs, alcohol, suicide, cutting, gambling, whatever addiction we've got in front of us. It's it's an attempt to soothe ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. the the threshold of them, and I and I also have a really it's deep a solution to you right. It's a solution and until it doesn't you, work. Right. Until it doesn't work anymore. And that's when we see patients and they really have such a fog from their habits that they don't realize that this is just an attempt to solve a problem. The addiction isn't the problem. The, 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 the liquor isn't the problem. The, the drugs aren't the problem. The problem is the problem you haven't addressed. Well said. You know, we ask all of our uh, and 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 to you're not um, an addict or an alcoholic. Um, in no, regard. I am not. Actually, I've been in a twelve step program for compulsive overeating for uh, thirty six years. 
Uh, uh, we'll have to have you back to talk about that. Um, yes. We do, we do want to speak to, to more people uh, in other programs. Um, yes. So but. I have a 12-step background. Um, but in terms of um, addiction to drugs or alcohol, that has not been my thing. I prefer cake. But, you know, there everybody has something. Yeah, well, I've turned to cake a lot since I've since I've been sober. So um, you know, it's not I, a bad thing. Yes. Um, well, our the favorite question we love to ask our guests uh, is, "What is the best lesson you've learned in sobriety, and how did it help you?" And I guess in your case, what's the best lesson you learned in working in the addiction field? Or now that I know you're in a uh, program for um, for eating, um, it could be uh, it could be with regard to that. So I would say the best lesson that I've learned in my job in working with, you know, patients is that there is no normal and that we're so busy judging ourselves and everyone else (laughs) um, (laughs) that we lose sight of the fact that everybody, everybody comes with something and that we have to support each other. And support ourselves and advocate for ourselves and others in healing these this pain. Because that all that's all we're trying to do with these dependence and addiction is we're trying to heal pain. And that the greatest gift we can really have is to help each other. Um, again, where I work, we help people get off opiates in, in a humane way. We're not the only place, but we're a really good place. And we have so many people that care. Um, But in general, whether it's opiates or something else, that the greatest, really the greatest blessing is being able to help people through that pain. And and so that they can see a, a brighter future for themselves or a future at all. Thank you. Well said. And um, and and listeners take note, um, Laura has uh, helped people recover, what, 3,600 plus patients um, at Advanced Rapid Detox and uh, and within her own family. So, thank Laura, you. thank you so much. Um, I learned a lot today and uh, we'll definitely have to have you back to talk about uh, suicide awareness and overeating disorder. I mean, I think you can, there's a lot of, um, of experience and wisdom you can share. I mean, listen, when you've been through a lot, you have a lot to share if you're willing. Yep, absolutely. And there is no normal. I'm going to remember that. No. To all of our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on soberpodcast.com and all places where you find major podcasts. Leave us a review, sign up for our mailing list. Uh, You will also find the contact information in the show notes for our guest, Laura Solomon. This is your host, Jamie Brickhouse. And you can find me every day on TikTok where I tell a true story wearing high heels I'm the author of Dangerous When Wet, a memoir of booze, sex, and my mother. And I'm signing out from the Sober Podcast. Tune in next week. See y'all then. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, 
connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. Thank you.